morning, everyone. Just from my side, welcome all the visitors, all the guests. You're very welcome here. Andre and Sonic, I send their love all the way from the Western Cape. I've been thinking a lot about Christmas, preparing for the message, and, and praying about today. And, and, you know, Christmas is a time to celebrate. Everyone celebrates Christmas. It's, it's so funny. You can go to a, a Muslim shop owner, walk into his shop and say, Good day. Can I speak to you about Jesus? He said, No, no, no Jesus. No Jesus here. He said, But no, but can I speak about Jesus? He said, No, no, not interested. The Muslim. But there's Christmas signs up in his shop. Decorations are hanging, Christmas sale, Christmas special, Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. And it's ironic because it blows my mind because where does Jesus fit in to that celebration? Because Christmas is about our Savior and our King, Jesus Christ. And this morning we are here to celebrate him. I've been thinking, is there still actually space for Christ in our Christmas these days? You know, or have our Christmas become Xmas? You know? Like nice, I know that some people just use it out of a, a good intention just to make it short, but for many people it became Xmas. Happy Merry Xmas, like a, like a, but what about Christmas? Jesus Christ was born on this day for me and for you, and we are celebrating that today. Happy birthday, Jesus. Let's just close our eyes. Father, we thank you this morning. We are humbled and overwhelmed by your goodness, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for choosing us and sending your own Son as the biggest gift ever to redeem us from the eternal death. We just say thank you, Lord, and happy birthday, Jesus. Amen. Now, Christmas is also a time of, of, of gifts, giving gifts, receiving gifts, accepting gifts. Um, and I was thinking about this. If, if I, I've got a gift here, and if I tell you this morning this gift is quite valuable, you know, some of you might get excited. Now, if I say to Ellen here, brother in front, Ellen, this gift is for you. I brought it for you. And he says, thank you. And he says, thank you. Then he received the gift. It's, yeah. But if this gift remains standing on this glass, pulpit, whatever you call it, and he leaves here, this gift means nothing to Ellen. Because he never actually came and claimed it for himself and said, now this gift is truly mine. I take it, I thank you, and I receive it. And I think many times I felt it's on God's heart that many people just know there's a gift of Jesus Christ. They know Christmas time, what it's about. But they've never actually accepted that gift of Jesus Christ, the eternal love. Now, I'm going to share some stories with you about that. Um, our boy, our first boy is two years old. And whenever he goes to a party or play area, he loves the trampoline. He will jump and jump and jump and will battle to get him off the trampoline. So we decided this year for his second birthday... We're going to bless the boyki with his own trampoline, but those with the netting around. So it's quite pricey. So we, um, we had to actually, all the family had to contribute to buy him this trampoline. There was a lot of excitement in our household. My wife and I, the night before his birthday, sat till 11 o'clock with a manual, because I'm not very technical. And um, we built this thing, all the nuts and everything, tightened them and put it outside. We were ready for action the next morning. Video phones ready to record this. We were close to phoning SABC News to say, come please, just, just come, come fill our boy. He's going to be so excited. And the next morning he woke up and we were so excited to take him outside and see his reaction with this big trampoline standing out there in the backyard. And praise the Lord, he walked out and he was so chuffed. He ran to the trampoline and said, my trampoline, it's a blue trampoline. And he started jumping and for hours and hours and we battled to get him over his own trampoline. And that was just for me the beauty of actually accepting 
the gift we brought him. You know, the, the joy on his face, the, the, the excitement. And I have another story which is kind of the opposite. My wife and I have married for just over six years. And um, I made sure she's in the hospital today so I can share the story. I'm safe. She's still in the hospital. <laughs> um, so in our first year, I mean, we got married in October. And that December, I got a bonus from work. I decided, good advice from some married men, buy her a dishwasher for a gift. You know, it makes sense to me. So I went and spent some of my bonus on, on a dishwasher, had them delivered it to our house, put it in there, pipes and everything ready. So when she comes from work, she's going to walk in and have a similar reaction like our boy with a trampoline. Not quite. Um, she arrived there, walked into the kitchen, saw it standing there, kind of shocked. I thought once there's a snake on it, underneath it, there's nothing. And then eventually she burst into tears and like, why did you buy this? And I'm like, it's a gift. I used my bonus for, for your gift. And she's like, no, it's too much for her. You know, my family still till the day my parents don't own a, a, a dishwasher. Her parents took a while before they got one. So for her, it was just too much too soon. You know, married for two months, and yeah, I buy a dishwasher. And I was still disappointed um, in her reaction. And that spoke to me in my heart this, this week. And I remember that feeling. Although now, I must say, at the moment, it's a best friend. So you can reconcile with it quickly after the... A little, but um, that disappointment I, I felt this morning with her being so disappointed in the gift. I think God feels like that quite often with us people. Quite often, we are the ones not accepting His gift, not being excited about His gift, and that gift is Jesus Christ. We read in Romans six, verse twenty-three: "For the wages of sin is death." But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, this morning, I want to remind us that Jesus Christ is a gift. You can't earn Him. You don't have to earn Him. You don't have to deserve Him. You don't have to work for Him. It's a gift given to us freely through the grace of God on the cross that Jesus died for us. Many times, I think God feels like I did that day with a dishwasher, where He says, My child, I gave you eternal love. All you have to do is accept the gift, accept Jesus into your love, but we don't. John 3 16 and 17, well known scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever, whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. God so loved the world, He gave His Son. The gift of eternal life from God is Jesus Christ. This morning, I'm, I'm, I'm honest if I'm saying to you that, yes, this morning we received an amazing blessing from God. Second boy was born, quarter past three this morning, He's doing well, mom's doing well. What a blessing. And it's a massive gift. But the biggest gift in my life I could ever receive from Jesus was my salvation. The gift of eternal life. Because friends, you're going to be on this earth for 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years if you're lucky. But I've got a gift of eternal life in my heart. I've got Jesus in my heart. And now I can lead my wife and my two boys to Christ. And I can be a godly husband to my wife and a godly father to my children because I've got Jesus in my heart. The greatest gift ever. 
But yeah, I, I had to get to a point where I actually had to accept it. I said, Lord, I can't carry on on my own. I need you, Jesus. Because Jesus says in John 14, 6, he says, Jesus answered them, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. Now we know where the Father is, our Father which is in heaven. So the only way for us to get to heaven and eternal life is through Jesus Christ. He tells us it himself. But he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. That means even if, you, even if your father was a pastor at home, it doesn't get you to heaven. Even if you're married to a pastor or a missionary, that does not qualify you to get to heaven. Even if you baked biscuits for the bazaar for 20 years in your life, that doesn't qualify you for heaven. Jesus Christ qualifies us for heaven. And he says to us, no one can get, go to the Father except through me. I'm the gift. I'm the gift. And friends, the reality is, if you believe in Christmas, you've got to believe in the, the reality of hell versus heaven. That's the only way for us. It's either hell or it's heaven. And, and with Jesus' words, it says, yeah, the only way to heaven is through Him. If we don't choose Him and accept Him, we're going to hell. That's actually a simple, simple thing to understand. So if you don't pick Jesus, unfortunately, unfortunately, it breaks my heart, the default destination is not heaven. If you don't accept Jesus, the default destination is eternal hell. And therefore, we have to accept the gift. We have to celebrate the gift today and say, Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you that you are the greatest gift ever. And there's a time in my own life where I became arrogant. There was adversity, wrong friends, wrong crowd. Started drinking and partying, messing around, not going to church. If I go to church, it's just to check the girls, nothing else. So in that time, it's about a year in my life, I was messing around. After I've been, I've been baptized before that, I was saved before that. But I came to a point where I thought, arrogantly, I don't need this gift of Jesus. I'm doing okay. I don't need that. I'm okay. And praise God for the friend of mine who invited me to the church service where Jesus spoke to me and says, you've got to wake up, son. You're on your way to hell. And he spoke to my heart and he says, I'm giving you another chance. Because Jesus comes every day and he knocks. And he brings the gift back and he says, Jimmy, my man, it's a gift for you. Eternal life. Are you going to accept it? And praise God, that morning in Posture of Stream at the university, in a church service, I said, yes, Lord. I repent of my sin. I confess with my mouth, you are Lord and King. Please forgive me. Take me back. I receive the gift of eternal life. And he's faithful. He's faithful. Praise God. He's faithful. He took me back and since then, praise the Lord, I've been journeying with him. Far from perfect. Far from, I didn't, I didn't arrive and got the t-shirt kind of thing. I'm in the process. We're all in the process in the journey with Jesus. But I had to accept him once again and say, thank you for the gift, Lord. Thank you for the gift. And today I have to speak about the cross. I have to speak about Jesus because Christmas without the cross doesn't make sense. Because Jesus mainly came to earth to save us. Yes, he healed many people. Yes, he delivered demons. Yes, he raised the people from the dead. But his main goal and purpose was to save you and me because of the sin of man. And he came for you 
and he came for me, and he came for the beggar at Old Transkarot, and the beggar at, at Eric's Corner, and everyone around us, Jesus came to give us the gift of eternal love. And at times I feel we make it so simple and so easy to say to someone, Jesus died for you on the cross, go, go on, you know. But this morning I want to just briefly take us through what actually happened, because we can't, we can't ignore the process Jesus went through for, on the cross and, and towards the cross. So I know it's maybe not the typical Christmas message, but I must say Christmas without the cross, in my opinion, doesn't make sense because Jesus came to die. It was his main purpose. So just briefly, Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as you will, as you will, as you will. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And we carry on in verse 44. He went back, he found him asleep. Verse 44 we read, So he left them and went away, <coughs> excuse me, once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. You see, friends, we have to realize that Jesus knew why he came to earth from the beginning. Jesus knew what was waiting for him at the end of his life. God didn't send an angel when he, on his, when he turned 30 or 32 or 33 and said, Jesus, good morning. I got a surprise from you from heaven. God the Father is saying, you only came down to earth to die on a cross for the people. He knew all along that was his purpose. That's why he came to earth and that alone. So Jesus was sorrowful. He was, he was overwhelmed with sorrow because he knew what was coming, friends, for you and for me. Yet, not my will, he said, but God, your will. That's why this gift we're celebrating today, Jesus Christ, came at an extremely high price that we can't take for granted and, and, and not, not realize what He actually did for us. We're going to read further on in Matthew 26, verse 15, 54. Now the men are coming to arrest Jesus. Judas, the, betrayal, uh, the traitor, comes and he kissed Jesus on his cheek to show them this is the man he must arrest. Then the men stepped forward seized Jesus and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Jesus says here, put your sword back in its place. Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? Now when I was reading through this verse, it struck me, although I knew it, you know, it struck me that he said to his disciples there, put away your sword, guys. Do you not think that I'm still God? Do you not think I can snap my fingers 
and ask the Father to send angels down and blow these guys over. Do you not think so? I could. I can. But I don't want to. Because I need to go through this to save the people. To save my father's people. To save Jimmy. To save his London chauffeur, the biker stewards, every person on this earth. Because Jesus all this time was in control. Yet he was humble enough and his love for you and me was enough to put it aside and say, I'm going to go through with this. Father, not as my will, but as your will. You love your people. They disappointed you, but you want to save them through me. I will carry on. Let's read further in Matthew 26, <clears throat> verse 67 and 68. So now at the high priest, Jesus was brought to the high priest. <clears throat> the conversations happen. I'm going to keep it short. Then they spit in his face. This is Jesus. They spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Remember, he was arrested. Hands tied behind his back, most probably. Spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Christ, who hit you? Making a mockery of the Son of God. Moving on from there, they took him to Pilate. You know the story, Pilate asked the people, I can release one prisoner. You want Jesus, who actually did nothing wrong to go? Or Barabbas, who is the actual problem? And the people picked Barabbas to go. So then he, then this is Pilate. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Matthew 27, going on. Verse 27 to 29. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. This was a show for them in the end here. They stripped him on, they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put the staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him, took the staff, and struck him over on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. This is our Jesus. This is our prize we celebrate today, um, our gift we celebrate today. Going on, Matthew 27, 38. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right, one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. The same Jesus who could instantly ask his Father to send down angels and destroy everyone around him. Going through everything, everything of this I'm reading, just going through it, his eyes on the prize. His eyes on us. He sees us. He sees you and me. And he's carrying on. He's carrying on. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders, the elders, mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. Mocking Jesus. He's hanging there. They're mocking him. He's throwing insults at him. Challenging him. And this, this, this 44 blew me away. 
In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on Jesus. Everyone's insulting him, mocking him. After he's been beaten up, he's been flogged, he's hanging there. People are just going at him. But the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because, friends, in that moment, God the Father had to turn his back on his own son, the darling of heaven, as we sang earlier. Look away from him so that he can take our punishment, our sins, my drinking, my partying, whatever your stories, on himself and die on that cross to save us. Verse 50 says, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Thankfully for us, Jesus was not a, didn't stay dead for long. On the third day, he rose again. He's alive today. He sent his Holy Spirit to live with us because he paid the price. He went all the way. And, 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 and this morning, I went through all of that to remind myself and to remind all of us the cost of that gift of eternal love. It's not just simple, John 3.16. God to love the world. He gave his son. You can have eternal love. Amen. He went through hell and back. For you and for me. And this morning at Christmas Day, I want us to stand together as we celebrate that gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. I want to end off with the last verse. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. This is, all, this is what it's all about. This is what Christmas is all about in the end. When we go home today, we enjoy Christmas lunch. So I go back to the hospital We have to remember this, that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We can become in right standing with God again, relationship be reconciled with our Father in heaven, and we can go to heaven one day and have eternal life. And how we live on earth, how we determine what we're doing on earth, that will determine where we're going. Because heaven and hell is for real. And we can only get to heaven through Jesus Christ. That's the greatest and most valuable gift ever. This morning I want to leave you with a question to ponder about. Have you truly accepted this gift of Jesus Christ for eternal life?